And welcome to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm Buck, and with me I have the DJ. Hey guys. Do you feel excited because you get to go first this week, DJ? I feel so excited. It's 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 like a like a kill on Christmas. Well, you hold on to that feeling because it'll be a while again before we let you go first. But what have you so... been up to this week? Ah, now that uni's all done and dusted, I've just been sleeping, sleeping, sleeping. Weren't you doing that at uni as well? Nah. Ah, I was listening, no, listening, listening. That was listening. me, sorry. That was, <laughs> was me. Li- I was the one sleeping. <laughs> how many cups of, before, before how many cups of coffee? I don't drink that much coffee. It's more cups of tea for me. Ah. Because I'm a higher level individual. Also with us this week, we have the professor. Yeah, I'd hope I'm here. Well, we, we hope you're here as well, because you got a story for us this week, don't you? I do. Okay. How you been going this week? I'm going well, apart from all of the uh, extreme muscle soreness from moving boxes. I don't know how you did your logistics job, Buck. Um, when you do a day in, day out for years on end, you kind of just get used to it. Remember, Professor. Bend those knees. I have been bending the knees. That's what's hurting. Yeah, it. You get used to it after a while. It, it's it's yeah. One of the one of the best leg exercises you can get is working on logistics. But anyway, I suppose we should get the show on the road. So, what is your story for us this week? Well, to start off this week, um, I was just browsing through Reddit the other day when Pokemon Sword and Shield launched, and I found a thread where. Uh, the new Pokemon games cause Roku smart TVs to crash and be unable to reboot for until Pokemon is turned off. And I've got a, a link to the breakdown in the show notes. Someone who was affected did a traffic analysis. Basically what happens is the Nintendo Switch sends out a signal announcing that it's there because Pokemon Sword and Shield have some always online components. Not in the sense that you need the internet connection to play, but in that people nearby will get an alert saying you're playing and what you've caught. Okay. So they've done the traffic analysis on that, and the Pokemon is sending out a signal saying, hi, I'm here, I'm a Nintendo Switch playing Pokemon. The Roku's hearing that and going WTF and dying. So Roku doesn't like Pokemon? Yeah. Would you say that makes Roku the boomer of the technology world? (laughs) Well, Pokemon's been around a lot longer. Yeah, but a lot of boomers don't like Pokemon. Uh, At least it's not as satanic as Harry Potter. Oh. I don't know. You got Charizard and some of those. They're looking pretty demonic and evil. And Abra and Gengar. I mean, they're literally Pokemon that eat your soul. So I've always wanted to play a uh, a dark Pokemon game that deals with the actual consequences of living in a world with creatures that eat your soul. Um, isn't that just called reality and dealing with politicians in the tax department? <laughs> yeah, beat the rich, Buck. <laughs> all we need, all we need now is Buck to wear um one of those commissar hats and yep, and a communist flag waving behind him. That's, that's all we need. How's that communist? Yeah, just wanting to tear the government down doesn't mean you're communist. 
I'm not saying about tearing the government down. I'm just saying it's soul crushing and destroying having to deal with them. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person who says that about having to deal with the government. I'm pretty sure there's people who work for the government who say that about the government. I mean, there is that whole robo debt thing. Yeah, and just lots of other things that have happened with the government. Like, honestly, like they've got what's his name? Was it Peter Dutton? Like the guy looks like he's um, trying to be Red Skull. And there's uh, the evidence for our international fans that we can take it as good as we give it. Oh, trust me, I'm I'm harsher on our politicians than I am on anyone else. But anyway, the um, the obvious solution to this is that Roku need to release a patch that stops the uh, the device from crashing when it receives unexpected data, because for whatever reason, there's a few like a few reasons I doubt anyone actually knows yet except for the Roku developers. But whether it's an overflow or um, something like that, it's extremely unlikely that the packet that gets sent is exactly the same as whatever Roku uses for shutdown. But um, So for whatever reason, the packet causes issues. I think it's on Roku to release a patch that stops it from crashing when it receives unexpected, unexpected data. Actually, I think I've just figured out what it is. Yeah. It's been staring at me the whole time. It's Nintendo. <laughs> Roku's thinking. Roku's just going, oh, goodness, no. No, no. It's going to be the Smash Brothers. They're going to, they're going to nah. the whole release. You're well, still not going to let go, are you? You know, I think Buck would be happy with Dexit. <laughs> because that's like 800 characters that don't, get to, don't need to be mentioned anymore. <laughs> I, I don't mind having however many hundreds of thousands of characters you want to have. But when you have a game release, you don't have to read every single one of them. <laughs> to be fair, the big thing was everyone is here. Yeah. Like every character they'd ever had. Okay, and see that sentence there? That's all they needed to say. They didn't have to, <laughs> say, have to say, we have Link from, what's his name? Um, Zelda. Zelda. Original link from this, link from that. Like seriously, just we have just say we have every iteration of every character we've ever used. Boom, it's done. And I use boom as a definite catchphrase there. So right, Buck. <laughs> so this is going to be an interesting um, predicament for other other stream other um, TV designers like Samsung and. Others could it be could it also affect other other TVs like from from the company from other companies? It could affect any electronic device, including you. Well, see, I I reckon they should be sending. It should actually be on Nintendo. Should be checking to make sure that their devices aren't actually interfering with other pro- products, because <clears throat> this could actually be classified as anti-competitive behavior. I don't think that's really reasonable because there's so many devices out there. And what sort of uh, recourse would there be if it turns out that they miss something in their testing and the device is affected? Tough. Nintendo is rich enough. They sue people all the time. They, make, they want to make life miserable for other people. I reckon the push should come back to them. They've got to step up their game on this. Okay, what about a company like Pebble, sadly departed, who started from Kickstarter and made watches? Doesn't matter. Nintendo <laughs> went and sued the fan base. Um, patch developments and all that sort of stuff. So 
I'm going to be I'm going to be harsh on Nintendo and say they've got to up their game now. If they're going to go around and be mean and nasty, they're going to get people being mean and nasty back to it. That's not being unreasonable. So is Nintendo sending official word on on this um, story though? Not that I'm aware of. And again, it's it's not exactly on them under the current system. Like if they brought in the sort of rules Bucks proposing, it would be. But currently, it's not really on Nintendo to fix anything. It's actually um, trying to cause something to crash is an attack surface that hackers use. Because if you can get something to crash and go back into boot mode, you might be able to slip something malicious in and take control of the device. So, so you're, you're saying Nintendo's actually trying to make it crash so they can do something malicious to no, TVs? No, because Nintendo aren't that... aren't that good at programming. <laughs> I mean, have you seen... Well, <laughs> Bucky. oh, Bucky's just lost it. <laughs> have you seen what people are talking about with Pokemon Sword and Shield? No. Kendrick couldn't do that if they tried. <laughs> I just couldn't resist the opportunity to wind you up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, okay, but here's the thing with Nintendo, though. Like, didn't they, like, before Sword and Shield came out, wasn't there a bit of a... a co- Kerfuffle about the Pokedex and how they've halved the thing. They've halved it's the Pokedex. More than halved, I think. I think. I think there's only forty percent of the Pokemon coming back, which itself is a bit of a lie because hackers have already managed to put together some of the Pokemon that are missing using data in the game. So technically, the Pokemon are there; they're just not active. But does that mean that they're still stuck over in um, Smash Brothers? <laughs> no, it was only three of them in Smash Brothers. Or a bit Are more. you sure? Yeah, they let Charizard out. Charizard's in Sword and Shield. They've got so it's yeah. Just... He's not gonna let go. He's not gonna let oh. go. It was, most, remind... it was the most painful thing I've ever sat through, and I've I've completed my masters, so I've sat through some some really painful lectures in, over the years and presentations. And the Nintendo release was pretty much the most painful thing I've ever suffered. I mean, like, I've even sat watching question and answer time at Parliament because I had to for an assignment. And I can tell you right now, Nintendo sucks more than that. It was soul-crushing. Well, um, anyway, there's a lot of comments in the... Uh, actually, DJ, just see you've linked that the Pokemon cut in Dexit could be permanent. They've come out and basically said, if you want to keep your Pokemon, store them in the paid Pokemon bank, and maybe one day we'll bring them back. Oh, that is... What? So, wait, let me get this straight. So, if you want to store your Pokemon, go through a paywall. And there's no guarantee that... <laughs> hang yeah. on, hang on. Actually, I'd like to offer the Nerds Amalgamated Storage Service, <laughs> where you can store your Pokemon with us for a small fee. And we might return them to you at some point. <laughs> Everyone uh, and and we will not guarantee that it will come out as it will, uh, will come out as it as you post as you put it in in the first place. Well, we're not even guaranteeing that we're going to return them. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a lot of comments in the uh, on the Reddit link I've provided, including one of my favourites, which is the time an MRI leak caused all the iPhones, just the iPhones, on a uh, in a hospital to break down. Oh. Because 
There's a particular unit, uh, a MEMS oscillator off the top of my head, and helium was leaking into the hospital. And helium migrated into the MEMS unit, which disrupted it and made it oscillate wrong. And it um, basically shut down all the phones, all the Apple phones in the hospital for, well, overnight, I think. And it took a few days. There's a link to the post from the guy who discovered it. And it's um, a really interesting detective story. (laughs) Reminds me of my other favorite one, the... uh, the magic switch, way, way back in the day, these guys were working on a uh, an old computer, like mainframe sort of stuff, I think, and found a switch labeled magic and more magic. They flicked it and the whole system crashed. So they put it back and turned the system back on and had a look. It had one wire going to it. So technically the switch shouldn't have worked at all. But every time someone would flick it to more magic or from more magic to plain magic, it would crash the whole system. <laughs> Actually, I've just been looking through the Reddit thread, and there's a link here. Warning to those who are playing the eShop version of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Japanese players are reporting Pokemon Sword and Shield is deleting all the saved data on their SD card oh, for, no. for all games. Uh, oh, no. This is so, okay. And that was from, yeah, that was posted six days ago. So, so I told you, all, Game Freak couldn't program their way out of a paper bag. <laughs> okay, so here's a th- here's a question for you: Could you say Pokemon Sword and Shield is the Nintendo's equivalent of Fallout seventy six, with all the stuff we've been hearing about lately? Did Fallout seventy six delete your other games? Did Fallout seventy six break your other devices? Wow. I'm pretty sure it tried. I'm thinking but, more. No, no, big, big major difference with um, Pokemon and Fallout 76. Lots of people are playing Pokemon. Yeah, not letting that go. <laughs> yep. Well, it's it's a it's a fact, isn't it? Uh, yeah. 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 He's got a point. He has a point there. I'm sorry if a, if a fact is a little bit confronting for you, but. Reality is like that at times. It jumps up and slaps you in the face. But anyway, I think we should probably move on because if we keep talking about Nintendo, I'm sure they're going to sue us for breach of copyright for using their name. Um, Next story up is about a beetle in amber. And it is the oldest example of uh, insects being involved in the cross-pollination of flowers and it is actually a lot older than me it's 99 million years old so and it's not by much though well by by a fair bit actually i'm not I'm it's not, only off by a couple of orders of magnitude yeah probably a bit more than a couple but the interesting thing is um looking closely at it um they found that it, the it's a 99 million year old fossil and also contains 62 pollen grains from an 80-cot flower, so, which is actually a, still a common plant around today. So, yeah, um, fortunately, nobody's planning to use it to try and recreate dinosaurs, though. Oh, man. But it's one ugly-looking insect, though. When you look at the picture, it's, 
got an extra little bug crawling out the side of it. Oh, yeah. But um, the, the reported fossil was found in the northern Myanmar area and is from the same amber deposit as the first ammonite discovered in amber, which is the same research group reported. Was that the DJ going into critical fail? <laughs> no, me turning on my air conditioner. We um, couldn't be that lucky. But, um, yeah, at the dating puts this back to the mid-Cretaceous period. So that's when um, pterodactyls still roam the skies. So this particular insect could have been trying to hide from um, a pterodactyl when it got caught in the amber. Were they insect eaters? Well, I mean, the image I've always had is that they're meat eaters. Yeah, uh, yeah, I always thought the pterodactyls were um, scavengers. Yeah, but if you're a baby pterodactyl, you're going to be sniffing at anything that moves that you can eat before it eats you, right? Yeah, I suppose so. So, yeah, um, they've got some... It, it's a very interesting article to look through, and there's a lot of um, interesting research that's going to come out of this, especially if you go look at the original um, study, which I have actually done. And, yeah, it's it shows there's a lot more than what they thought that was happening at the time. So the, the weird thing is, this has only got one leg as far as I can see in, all the, in the, all the drawings. I wonder if it was injured before it got stuck. I have no idea. Um, yeah, it's just very weird. Like all the other images of it show that it's having um, eight legs or six legs. But, yeah, it's only got one leg in this particular instance. So It looks like a flea for some weird reason. It probably does, actually. A little bit squished and flat, though. Yeah. I think that's why we can't see the other legs as well, because, yeah, when you're trapped in amber, it does, it's like, it's like a, a river, it's like a river of water trying to squash you down, and, yeah. So you, you've experienced this before, have you? Oh, no, but I've seen, um... Don't judge, Buck. <laughs> I have seen, like, uh... I've seen um, insects being um, trying to stop a, a stop a honey honey, and um, yeah, they didn't succeed. Ah, uh, see, I would have pictured it more as honey than water. Yes, it's very thick, mm. like some people we know. Like, <laughs> do you reckon mosquito children go around worrying about getting stuck in the amber, like how modern children worry about getting caught in quicksand? I don't know. Um, if we ever figure out how to create a translation device to help us talk to them, that's one question we would definitely have to ask. <laughs> they just need to find something as annoying as mosquitoes. DJ. <laughs> oh, oh, Buck, oh, Bucky, I thought you... Uh, uh, you, you mean you, Buck? <laughs> no. No, I was going to say you as well, DJ. Oh, but I didn't how- want to be that mean, so... How the heck am I annoying? You're the guys that keep that keep doing that shit. Okay, I don't even know what he was saying there at the end. Can you translate that to me? The all I'm gonna say is how am I that annoying? Oh okay. <laughs> um yeah, look. Um let's just move along from that because that's just, that that'd be at least seventeen episodes. <laughs> um the problem descriptions, um looking at the 
scientific paper. It's saying there are at least 62 pollen grains um, from only the visible left side of the beetle in the amber in total, of which 24 pollen grains aggregate into two small clusters near the abdominal end of the maudolid, which is the particular insect. And pollen grains in the amber are retitrocopolate. Yeah, I'm stuffing that one up. And highly uniform in morphology. Um, They've actually got a lot more detailed images in the scientific paper, which I shall provide the link to the DJ to put in the show notes. Mm. It is actually as part of the article, but yeah. So um, there's actually quite a lot of information going with this and definitely worth sitting down and having a, a long read and look at because the more I read it, the more information I'm finding each time. And yeah, go, let's let's go have a look at something that's 100 million years old and could have been a round at the same time was around at the same time as the pterodactyls and is actually a pretty cool looking little insect do you guys wish you were around when this guy was roaming around free mm. no nah. <laughs> my internet speaks bad enough now how much worse would it be 99 million years ago <laughs> i don't know probably a lot better because you wouldn't have had all the um little um <clears throat> uh, prepubescent gamers that are running around on Call of Duty, etc., cluttering up all the bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, but have you ever tried to get a phone signal out in the bush? Because there was a lot of bush back then. Yeah, but who would you be phoning? Well, how else am I going to get an internet connection? Well, see, that's the thing. You can go back and just go camping. Put all those scout t- skills to use. Yeah, and live until I get eaten by a dinosaur. <laughs> hey, Maybe. it's called survival, Professor. You know, scouts are famous for the survival tactics. Take, we don't have anything to do with the dinosaurs, though. Take takes gum to hold new level. <laughs> there you go. Why play it on a computer game when you can play it for real? And who knows? If you get eaten by a dinosaur, you could be a scientific discovery. I don't well, know. That was some pretty intense digestive systems. Well, wouldn't that mess up the whole timeline, though, in terms of in terms of discovery of human life? Well, see, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Like, it could be an interesting discovery. Like, they're going to be going, this looks like a scout's scarf and woggle. <laughs> and there's a bit, there's remains of a, of, of what, what looks like a hat. You guys aren't selling this to me. <laughs> we could always send the DJ back first as a tester. Hey, why me? I can't do it. Robots don't The you run around being chased by a pterodactyl or anything else like that would be fun. <laughs> we could we could sell it on pay per view. And plus, how am I gonna so I'm gonna recharge myself in the in the middle of Cretaceous period? Solar panels. There you go. See, we got solutions. <laughs> um, I do have to note one thing, by the way, Buck. With the picture, it looks like a it looks like the ancestor of a bee with the one of the, with the artist rending of the um, beetle. That's one thing that they've suggested, but um. Yeah, there's not enough cross um, genetic information between them yeah. to draw a, a definite conclusion because it could also look like a wasp. Yeah, that's true. Or a okay, but you're saying there's the potential of dinosaur honey. Hmm. Dinosaur honey. Yeah. I'm gonna go build a time machine. 
<laughs> there you, we go. We sold it. Can you imagine the, the size of those bees, though? Oh yeah. I don't care. <laughs> you could ride one, probably. All right. So I've got transportation. I've got food. I'm just now thinking the size the of those steaks. I wonder if you could make steak from bugs. Depending on the bug, probably. You get the larvae. Yeah, that's what a rich grub is, essentially. And they taste like peanuts. Have you tasted one? Yeah. Don't you go knocking them? You got a problem with eating bugs, DJ? Yeah, they're disgusting. Really? Have you have you ever actually eaten bugs? Yeah, I've eaten ants before, like when I was a kid, and they're disgusting. Okay, well I've eaten witchy grubs and they actually taste really nice. I've had sugar ants and they're actually sweet. I've eaten um, grasshoppers, which are a Thai delicacy, and well, not just Thai. Um, you can get maggots in restaurants in, um, I think it's America and Europe. And one of the richest sources of protein being sourced in um, Asia is cockroaches. Yeah, I'm going to stick to the lentils and the dal for my protein. Thank you very much. Oh, you're a vegetarian. No. Now. We don't make friends <laughs> yeah. of salad, DJ. <laughs> you realise, of course, when um, people mow the lawn and you get that smell, as the grass crying in pain. <laughs> and it is delicious. Oh man, that's, that sounds. You guys are you guys are disturbing. You know that. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, I suppose we should move along to the next story before we creep too many people out with our darker, more imaginative side. And the next story up is uh, the DJ. Ah, uh, so. Uh, Disney is planning to um, pull out all the 20th, 20th Century Fox films from availability. So they've begun restricting the films quietly and with no explanation. Uh, and with this move, it could potentially devastate theaters who rely on screenings of the old films to stay open. So this is, this is more of their money-making schemes because yeah. they, they operate on such a, a thin margin. <laughs> artificial scarcity oh man it's so uh what the this the article is also saying that um disney's completed when disney completed its merger with with fox and acquired the library in the process they've been cancelling previously agreed upon screenings of fox films and flat out denying requests of new new bookings out of hand and providing no justification it's because they're on thin margins, mate. <laughs> they're not making enough money out of it. Yeah. So are these movies on Disney Plus? Mm. Or are um, they just not available at all? They're, 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 that's what one, of the, one couple of people are theorizing, that, they're, that Disney's intending to drive more subscribers to the Disney Plus pla- platform. Because they realize all this is going to do is get people to pirate. Yeah, yeah. You can't stop people from pirating anymore. The only the best way to counter pirating is to provide a better service, and not letting people pay for your product is the kind of service that drives people to pirate. So, just for those innocents among us who have no clue what pirating is, can you explain that to me? Well, it's when you have a boat, another <laughs> boat that you like the look of, so mm-hmm. you go over there and kill everyone and take their boat. Okay, so we're doing this to Disney. <laughs> Absolutely. 
You see those Disney cruise lines? I want that boat. Okay. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Oh my god. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go with that. You can have all the responsibility. I'll just sit back and enjoy my um, cup of tea on the quarter deck. Okay, you can whip the slaves. <laughs> or slave, DJ. What? 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 You're the slave. slave. How am I the slave? I'm How the captain. Buck is the slave master. Slave master keeps ca- slaves, so you're the slave. This uh, coming from the guy on, who's... I'm going to quit this job then. If he's the slave, no. <laughs> the hell am I, I, I a slave? I do get to throw him to the sharks, don't I? If he's not doing well enough. Yeah, make him walk the plank. <laughs> Screw you, Professor. Screw you. We'll call me a slave. You don't want to walk the plank. You'd better start scrubbing the decks, boy. Hey, you. Hey, if I go, if I go down scrubbing the decks, you're scrubbing it with me, Captain. <laughs> As you know what they say, the captain goes down with its ship. But the ship's not sinking. Oh, I know. Sorry, hang on, hang on, guys. Sorry to burst your bubble, but the reality we've got to look at here is if anyone's going to be the captain, it's going to be me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm older than you guys. I'm the only one with the beard. (laughs) And I've actually spent time on boats. Uh, And, uh. And I'm just bossy. So Buck reckons he's a bit of a salty old sea dog. <laughs> well, you always, but hey, the DJ always keeps saying I'm being salty. Yeah, uh, that's a Kevin. Yeah. A Kevin? What? That's a given. Ah, oh, I heard Kevin as well. Yeah, I, I did actually say Kevin. Um. Anyway, so uh, this sort of practice is basic uh, with Disney bullying movie theaters. It's a practice called block booking. So basically, if a movie theater wants to be able to show the new movie, new Avengers movie, they have to agree to show two or three guaranteed underperformers like Dumbo or Mars Needs Moms, um, accompanying spots at the theaters that might otherwise have been taken up by films from a competing studio like Universal. So this is how they're going to try and boost numbers for the mega flops such as The Lion King and Aladdin. Aladdin. Yeah. Is they're going to release it in a block with... Well, they can't even do the... You can't even really say the Avengers movies anymore because they're getting to be pretty much on the nose and people are getting sick and tired of that. So what are they going to put it with? Because now that Disney's taken over Fox and they're scrapping so many different movies, they're going to have nothing to release it with that's worth watching. Congratulations, (laughs) Disney. You've just killed something else. Disney, the forward of the movie world. So here's a scenario for you. Like, so basically, this is tossing the Fox catalog into the Disney vault. It's just simply, it might simply just be the company not wanting to compete itself. So, for example, why let a theater do a midnight screening of Alien when Rise of Skywalker could be playing on that screen instead? Because people want to see Alien. Actually, hey, but hang on, hang on, hang on. They're dicking, they're, they're dicking around with the Fly and the Omen being screened here. Like, are these guys complete idiots or what? Yeah. How, how did... Oh, hang on, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you read it as well. You're reading the, prin- it? the Princess Bride is on the list of films that they're going to be messing with. Oh, it's not only that. Not, um, it's not only that. There are a couple of other movies as well, as I um, I was going to say. the um, You know the guy, you know Edgar Wright, the uh, director for Baby Driver? I've never met him, sorry. All oh, right. Um so his movie um 
one of his favorite movies, Phantom of the Paradise, is also on the chopping block as well. But The Princess Bride, like, seriously, it's one of the most perfect movies ever, and they're going to mess with it. Mm. You know what's interesting, though? I saw an article yesterday. um, Apparently, Disney are lobbying to kill the law that says that movie studios can't own the theatres. Huh? Well, back in the, the 1930s, the movie studios, it's called like the Panama Act or something like that, movie studios would own the theatre and then they'd block anyone else's films from being shown in the theatre so the independent guys couldn't get a shoe in at all. So the, um, they made a law in America against that. And now Disney, of course, is trying to lobby against that law. You know, I have to say, like we joke around about um, Walt being the God Emperor out of 4DK. Hmm. But this is seeming more and more like that. Like it, he's, they're working towards it. They're trying to do total world domination. These Eats guys, the souls of a thousand young directors a day. <laughs> the, these guys watched Roller Rollerball from back in the seventies, where the the corporations take over the planet, and Disney's used, got looked at that and gone. That sounds like a good idea. Unfortunately, we got the whole corporate dystopia side of cyberpunk before we got the cool bit of cyberpunk. Yeah, I have a question for you guys. So this whole thing um, from the article is saying it recontextualizes the uh, debate that Scorsese posted about Disney movies being bad for the industry. Yes. Do you reckon Scorsese is ultimately right in the end? Yes. Disney doesn't want there to be an industry. They want to own it all. They don't want competition. That's why they're buying Fox and everyone worth having. Isn't that the but isn't that the goal of um capitalism in 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 essence basically like they just it's the race to no. the top. You see, the other thing to look at here is the fact that this is actually going to be um pushing close on some of the anti-competitive laws in term and for monopolization of the industry. So, hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, like while Disney probably has got more money than the United States government, it's, yeah, it, 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 this actually, you remember we spoke about um, Bill Gates giving a warning to the tech industry saying you, you've got to settle down the attitude, otherwise you're going to invite the government to crack down on you. Yeah. I think Disney's starting to do the same thing and they're, just, they're, they're thinking that they're above the law and everything like that and untouchable. And they're just becoming bullies and ruining everything. Yeah. Okay. I got a question. Okay. And here's another question for you guys. So I think knowing what we're seeing, knowing um, this is happening in American cinemas, what's the likelihood of seeing this in, let's say, Australian cinemas? Well, they already do that out here. Like, um, I was actually looking at going, checking out some details for um, some screenings of movies I wanted to go and see. And they had, the cinema that I normally go to, 
has a really good price. But they come up with a, a notice saying, since Disney now owns Fox Studios, all Fox and Disney movies are now at full price. We don't have the special price anymore. So for any movie that's not a Fox or a Disney movie, they can do good deals for us. But for Fox and Disney, it's more expensive. Yeah. So straight away, they're already making it so that they, they suck out here. Which is more reason to love Sony for fighting back against them with Spider-Man. Hmm. And the, also the other the crappy part about this is also the other crappy part about this practice is the um is the limit is the physical copies as well and how it will affect the sales of um various old old Fox movies as well. Well, I think that once you already own the physical products, they can't affect the price. Yeah, they can't take your DVDs off you. That's the biggest advantage of DVDs over Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but this makes it clear: Disney don't want you to watch their movies. They want to hype you up for their movies, make you feel like you have to watch them, then sell them back to you for one year out of every twenty. That's the whole point of this vault: it's artificial scarcity. They're taking it away from you just so they can trick you into wanting to buy it later. Okay, okay so that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's like um, with the Lion King when it was first released on, and I mean like the old Lion King, the animated one, when it was released on um, video years ago, um, there were a lot of people who went out and actually bought it and had it put aside, all in its wrapper and everything still. And then after a while, when Disney took it away from the market and it was no longer available, they started. They they waited a while when they started selling them off slightly on um, eBay, and where people had paid, say, I think it was $20 for the D- the um, video back in the day, um, they were selling them online for $150 or more. And it's the same with, like, concert tickets, those stupid fashion brands that do limited releases. They don't want to make enough for everyone to have one. They don't want everyone to buy their product. They want people to buy it and make money off it. Because they want to build up that hype. It's a legitimate marketing strategy. I just think it's completely, like, I don't know how to describe it, but I think it's the most evil marketing strategy out there. Except for, well, probably something I'm not thinking of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you were talking about the block booking before, um, and that they're, they're talking here about the fact that it's essentially in the legal practice they're not supposed to be doing by withholding likely hits unless they're taking a probable flop, has become commonplace once more. And, yeah, like, it's just these, these guys are getting stupid with how they're doing it, and they're going to kill the industry. Actually, they're going to kill themselves because of the simple fact that people will get sick and tired of all the garbage, and they'll go for just the independence alone. Because the independence will be the only ones doing stuff to worth, that's worth watching. I hope so. I'd like to see Disney get broken up. They're too big right now. Uh, it will take a it will take a big big hammer. Like maybe Amazon could buy Disney if they if if they can if they want to. Oh, here's a here's a funny thought. Imagine if Tencent Holdings buys Disney. That would just be one Chinese mega company buying an American mega company. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. Hey, hey, who wouldn't want that sweet, sweet China money these days? Someone who already has enough of their own. 
DJ, can you slap yeah. yourself up the back of the head? <laughs> if you if you ever if you keep using that phrase, it, it's going to get painful. What sweet sweet China money? And there we go again. <laughs> I'm going to get some jumper but, leads and a battery. But honestly, though, like it's it'd be, it, it, Disney being broken up. It's 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 an impossible it's an impossible task at at this current stage because they're just too powerful. They're too damn powerful. Yeah, but other companies have thought that themselves and they get pushy and aggressive and then they get dragged before Congress. See, Disney's still an American company, right? Yeah. Um, Most of their holdings are in America. The American government can seize all their assets and freeze all their financial assets as well if they're behaving illegally. It's just we've got to have some politicians have the spine to actually turn around and step up and push the button and get a bucket load of lobby groups um to to um sway the opinion as well yeah but you see there's there's lobby groups that are they're representing disney and they're throwing money at the politicians yeah but the politicians need people to vote for them so yeah unless disney has enough money to buy off all the politicians and enough of the public as well yeah they well, they've it. pulled it off so far with the copyright terms. Yeah, it's some dodgy things that are happening, but they, they, it's, they're going to push it too far and people are starting to jump up and down now and saying Disney's not being nice. So if they mess with the Princess Bride, I, I'm sorry, but that's, that will just mean war. This is Bucks Eat the Rich moment. Bucks <laughs> about to get a gas mask and go and storm the Disney HQ. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'd be much more <laughs> imaginative than that. They won't see me coming. <laughs> if they remake The Princess Bride, Disney will just vanish. What are you going to do, Buck? What are you going to do? Well, you'll just have to wait and see. Um, Before we move on, though, I do have a que- another question to ask. I know I asked about Australian cinemas. What do you reckon the small the small run cinemas like in in Australia would how would that they would suffer hugely more than like your big chain ones? You reckon? Well, they're all suffering, but they'll start instead of showing stuff that's from these guys, they'll start showing stuff from independent filmmakers and smaller studios and from internet other international groups and Australian films. Because I always thought within with indie films, I always thought that all the indie films would always be branched under the Fox Searchlight group. Hmm. What? And that's Fox. only Fox indie films. That's not indie films by anyone else. Okay. Like well, like with with a lot of this sort of stuff, it's it's going to make it so that people just won't be watching American made films. Um, there's plenty of other film studios out there that are known by Fox and Disney, that make great films and people will be watching that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching uh, Jojo Rabbit, which I don't think is made by any of the big ones. I don't think, um, uh, what's his name in Maids? Um, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch and all that. I don't think he's a uh, Fox and Disney slave. Well, he, he was the guy behind Aladdin. What, the new one or the old one? The um, new one. Yeah, and Taika Waititi, who did... Um, Jojo Rabbit is also behind uh, one of the four movies. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, you don't need to be completely independent to make an independent film. And like, let's let's face it, some of the 
the greatest um, cult classic movies have actually come from independent filmmakers. Like one of one of the ultimate cult movies, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, was bought by um, Disney and Fox. I think for copyright, the original release wasn't by them. And Disney's going to try and kill that. There, there's cinemas out there that have been that are just literally all they show is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And Disney's going to stuff up on that now. Yeah. Like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is one of the, like, like it actually says it here, that it's one of the steadiest earners of all time. But it appears to be the one title Disney isn't cracking down on. <laughs> Maybe because Disney knows that if they pull Rocky Horror 2, there will be a, a full-scale audience revolt. So there is going to be a Rocky Horror 2? No, no, no. Like, um, oh, right. Say, the rock, if they put, yeah. if they mess with that, yeah. Like they pull one of these other movies, and if they pull, if they pull Rocky Horror, uh, there'll be a full audience revolt. And could you imagine the, the amount of um, sequins and suspender belts <laughs> that those guys would be wearing? Can you imagine that happening in Australia? Yes. Have you never been to Mardi Gras? Nope. Have you Have you never been to any of the um, audience? Sing-alongs for Rocky Horror? Nope. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it's an experience. You've you got to live through at least once. And let's face it, Tim, Tim Curry is one of the only guys who could have pulled off that role with the absolute panache that he did that made it such a legendary movie. I'll take your guy's word for it. Chicken. But anyway, I suppose we should get moved along because Disney's another company that's likely to soon they'll probably sue us. Um, so what game have you been playing this week, DJ? Um, I've been playing the Age of Empires Definitive Bundle. Okay. And how have you been finding that? Um, it's, it's interesting. It is interesting to say the least in terms of it's similar to... It's, it, it's accurate to the old game, Age of Empires um, games, but there are certain subtle differences in the game alone. Such as? Um, for example, when you are, when, when you are challenging, um, a unit, when you, when you, ha- when you're battling each other's units in the old, um, age of empires, whenever an enemy dies, they'll go, they'll have like a, a dying sound like, ah, ooh, like that. in the new one, you don't even hear that at all. It's like, oh, it's, it's, uh, they just fall down silently. No, no, cr- no cry or anything like that, which is, which kind of sucks. I'm like. Ah, that takes that. You make all those noises yourself in just normal conversation, so shouldn't you be able to fill in? No, I don't make any. Where do you get that idea from? Talking to you. Help me out. Am I right here, Professor? He makes all those noises? He does. Yeah, but I don't make all the the, the Wilhelm screams and whatnot. No, you make the DJ screams. Oh, but that's thanks to you both. You both put me in physical pain most of the time. I haven't yet, but I'm going to now. But so you're upset that they haven't got the weird noises and death sound effects. Oh, there's. I'm not, I'm not upset about that though. Although I know you'll be pretty upset because it'd be like, oh no, DJ. Oh. Any, um, what else is there? Um, the interesting change would be when you when when you nearly destroy a building, as soon as the building go, as soon as the building health goes zero. Instead of immediately collapsing, there would be there be a small graphic of just co- the, of them collapsing itself. Okay, 
So are you enjoying it or are you not enjoying it? Um, I am enjoying it in terms of the nostalgia. Oh, the other in, the other thing that kind of bugged me out is the whole um, intro for the, uh, for the Age of Empires game in terms of um, um, the old Age of Empires 2 intro. It was basically two kings sitting down and having a game of chess and that chess would would mimic a real life into in real life warfare you don't get that in in the um in the new intro it's just introducing um age of empires 2 definitive edition that's it i wouldn't be surprised if they don't have the assets for that intro and they couldn't be bothered making it again because that intro was a pre-rendered cutscene. yeah but it was so awesome wasn't it yeah it might be there somewhere in amongst all the graphics you could probably find if you actually went looking for it. Yeah, I'm sure but, someone will model all of this back into the game. Yeah. Oh, they got. I'm just just looking at the list here, and they've got um, how many? It's, is it thirty or more different civilizations, or is it more than that? There are in the old one. There was a few. There were a, uh, a lot less than the new one. They've added a lot more civilizations in the new one uh, yeah there's 35 different civilizations in your quest for world domination are there any new ones or are they all from the expansion packs no no uh, it's new ones they got um they're saying like in the last Akan, they got three new campaigns and four new civilizations so i'm not sure if it's just four new ones to that particular campaign or overall i think the last of khan i don't think they they had the they had that one in the um expansions from what I recall, but um, oh, what can I, what else can I add into the into the game that into the about the game? How many um, beanies? Out of five, I would say four out of five. Oh, four and out uh, five. four out of five. Oh, and also in the um, the priests in the Age of Empires two, they don't do the wall, wall. They don't do that anymore. It's just. Uh, so it's just angelic it's just choir singing that's it when they convert the unit right now this is my eat the rich moment <laughs> <laughs> i am going to go and tear down microsoft <laughs> what is the point of an age of empires game without wallalo <laughs> well i have to say um the original age of empires only had 12 civilizations originally yeah yeah You've now got thirty-five. <laughs> this is bucking. You've got to be able to find somewhere where you can live and fit in. <laughs> For a second, there, I thought Buck was going to was going to compare um, Age of Empires to Smash Brothers. No, it's not that painful. Anyway, um, what game have you been playing, Professor? I've been playing Tetris because I've had a lot of boxes to fit in my car. <laughs> so you're playing the real life edition. Absolutely. I even many, go along singing the song. And how many times have you failed? Did I do that? No, that is it, yeah. I am very confused right now. <laughs> and how many times have you lost and failed? Once. I put in a, uh, a chest of drawers with a loose um, latch on the door handle thing. And Ouch. each time I uh, ex- each time I break, it would swing out and hit the hit things around it. Yes, never a good thing, especially if you're sitting in the way of where that door swings open. Yeah, luckily I wasn't. But it was not great knowing that I was bashing up my stuff. 
All righty. Um, so how many nerdy beans will you give that? I'd give it a two because my muscles hurt. <laughs> okay. Poor Professor. Yeah. I'm glad uh, someone feels sympathy for me. I've been playing um, Spyro Reignited, and I have to say it is fun. Running around as the little dragon and getting doing all the bits and pieces. It's You forget about how much fun such a, a simple little game can be and how much fun it is to see a sheep when you set it on fire, suddenly standing there all embarrassed, holding his hands in front of himself and looking roasted. Those games were so good. Wow. They were. You got, uh, what's your biggest flaw in the game? Um, just the interface. At the moment, I'm only using a mouse and keyboard. I, I need to get a controller. But other than that, yeah, no, it's, it's just as much fun as it always used to be. Uh, so so how, 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 how much have you progressed in the, um, in the game? Um, I'm still in the initial, um, I think they call it crafting world. And I've gone to a, a few of the others and I'm able to go on to the next one. But yeah, I'm, I'm having fun charging around and barbecuing the sheep and turning them into butterflies for my little dragonfly to go and eat and power up. So I think I'm going to sit on something like 20 lives at the moment because every time you eat enough butterflies, it gives you an extra point towards your life. So, yes, it's honestly, like, it's one of the, if you do the Humble Bundle thing, it was in amongst the bundle last month. And if you didn't get it, I'm sorry, you've missed out. But it's definitely worth going to get the hold of on Steam. Did they get back the original voice actors? Because I know I Elijah Wood was the original way back in the day, I think. I haven't bothered looking to see who's doing the voices. It's it's just awesome. Like, watch have, Having the little... Spyro running around and Dewey's jumping and gliding and charging, headbutting things, setting fire to the big beasties and all that and collecting the jewels. It's just, it's just awesome fun. I'm still only in the first game, like there's the, it, it's the, the full trilogy re, reignited. So yeah, I'm going to be having fun with this for quite a while. Anyway, moving along. Um, where have we got our shout outs? On the 16th of November, 1902, uh, Brooklyn toy maker Morris Mitchum named the teddy bear after US President Theodore Roosevelt, otherwise known as Teddy, um, after he refused to shoot a bear during a Mississippi hunting trip in November of 1902. During the trip, guides clubbed a bear and tied it to a tree then invited the president to shoot it. Instead, Roosevelt, an avid outdoorsman and hunter, declined saying it would be unsportsmanlike to kill a defenseless animal that way. So kudos to him. He shouldn't be shooting bears anyway. I mean, he was actually out on a bear hunt when they came to get him to swear him in as president. Yeah, but still, shouldn't shoot bears. Oh, um, but before you hit go to the next shout-out, um, Bucky, uh, you forgot the... How how much you rate the uh, Spyro game? Oh, sorry. Um, I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. Okay, cool. Um, on the 18th of November, 1926, writer and playwright George Bernard Shaw refused to accept money from the Nobel Prize and also the prize itself. Um, or he initially wanted to refuse it, but um, he ended up accepting it even though it was against his um, 
rule of not receiving public recognition. Apparently, he was bullied by his wife. I say convinced, but I reckon it was bullied. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, he was a bit of a pompous ass for this one. Saying he could forgive um, Nobel for inventing dynamite, but he couldn't forgive him for crowding the prize, which is kind of stupid because it's about advancing society. So I'm sorry, George Bernard Shaw. <laughs> um, we just want to give a, another shout-out this week to all the firefighters, but also all the SES, ambulance services, police, um, RSPCA, um, everyone out there that's just helping to tackle the fires and get people back on their feet and all the other grief that's going on surrounding the bushfires at the moment. Um, Yeah, you guys are absolute legends and deserve a special shout-out, so thank you. On the 20th of November, 2019, Dr. Carl. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname because nobody knows him as anything else other than Dr. Carl, I think. I believe it's Krasnicki. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard it before, but I always, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was um, Krasnicki, but yeah. Krasnicki? Krasnicki, or Krasnicki, which everyone, yeah. We all like, everyone calls him Dr. Carl anyway. Okay, so I can go on? Yep, yep go on. Yep, yep. You sure? No, no, yep. No. No. Who's hosting? You, Hugh. Okay. Yeah, see, told you I'd be the captain. Um, yeah, Dr. Carl is being awarded the 2019 UNESCO Kalinga Prize for the popularization of science. Dr. Carl, if you don't know who he is, I'm terribly sorry for your lack of culture. He's the first Australian to win the prize, which he received in recognition of his long-standing commitment to fire up people's curiosity for science and share his passion for the subject. Um, this is a guy who was on Triple J to do a science segment at least once a week um, where people could find him and ask questions and he would try and find the answer for them. And I've spoken to him in person at a book signing and he seems like a genuinely nice guy. Yes, I, I've I've actually met him as well. And if you can come up with an interesting question to ask him, he's like one, watching one of those um, Jack in the Boxes when you wind them up. He just pops up and he gets so excited because if you actually if you show some passion for it, it gets him excited. And his um, favorite organ is the uterus. On the tenth anniversary of his radio show, they gave him a uterus cake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And for all those um, people out there that are listening with the kids in the car, have fun explaining that one. (laughs) Um, On the, I suppose we have to move on to the remembrances now. Oh, uh, you you forgot the last few sentences of Dr. Carl, the chat. He prides himself on being able to explain the minutes, concepts, or ideas that take him hours to research and understand. Are you satisfied now? Is that is that it? Yes. Sorry. sorry. You don't want me to read out the link? <laughs> nah, I'm right. All right. Can, can I move on now with hosting the show? <laughs> My bad. On to the remembrances. On the 18th of November, 1962, Niels Henrik David Bohr, Danish physicist who made foundational contributions to understanding atomic structure and quantum theory, for which he received the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1922, 
was uh, unfortunately died. Oh no, yeah, sorry, died of heart failure at the age of seventy-seven in Copenhagen. Balls was a philosopher and promoter of scientific research, um, kind of like an early edition of Dr. Carl. Bohr developed the Bohr model of the atom in which he proposed that energy levels of electrons are discrete and that the electrons revolve in stable orbits around the atomic nucleus but can jump from one energy level or orbit to another. Bohr was involved with the establishment of CERN and the research establishment RISO of the Danish Atomic Energy Commission and became the first chairman of the Nordic Institute for Theoretical Physics in 1957. On the 18th of November 1941, Walter Hermann Nernst, the German chemist known for his work in thermodynamics, physical chemistry, electrochemistry and solid state physics, obviously a man who just needed to be doing way, way, way too much, definitely an overachiever. Um, his formulation for the Nurse Heat Theorem helped pave the way for the third law of the thermodynamics, for which he won the 1920 Nobel Prize in Chemistry. He's also known for developing the Nernst Equation in 1887, amongst many, many other things, including developing an electric piano. Um, he died of a heart attack at the age of 77 in Zibel Landkreis Rothenberg Galawa Silesia, or present day Noetia Lubech Vovodopachi. The last one I probably stuffed up, so I apologize to the people living there. On the 18th of November 2017, Malcolm Young, um, Australian musician, songwriter, best known as co-founder, rhythm guitarist, backing vocalist and songwriter for ACDC. Unfortunately, died from dementia at the age of 64 in Elizabeth Bay, New South Wales. Moving on to famous birthdays. On the 18th of November, 1939, Margaret Eleanor Atwood, Canadian poet, novelist, literary critic, essayist, inventor, teacher, and environmental activist, was born. Since 1961, she published 17 books of poetry, 16 novels, 10 books of non-fiction, 8 collections of short fiction, 8 children's books, and 1 graphic novel, as well as a number of small press editions in poetry and fiction. Definitely a, another overachiever worth respecting. Um... On the 18th of November, 1953, um, Kevin Nealon, American comedian and actor, was born um, in St. Louis, Missouri. He was a cast member on Saturday Night Live from 1986 to 1995 and acted in several of the Happy Madison movies, played Doug Wilson on the Showtime series Weeds and provided the voice or title character Glenn Martin on Glenn Martin DDS. Is that the Nintendo DDS? No. No? No. No, it's an American claymation show about a dentist going travelling around America with his family. Okay. 
On the 18th of November, 1961, Stephen Moffat, Scottish television writer and producer, was born in Paisley. He's best known for his work as showrunner, writer and executive producer of two of BBC One series, the science fiction television series Doctor Who and the contemporary crime drama television series Sherlock, based on Sir Conan Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stories. In 2015, Moffat was appointed Officer of the Order of the British Empire for his services to drama. Moving on to events of interest, on the 17th of November 1999, Sleepy Hollow came out. It earned decent reviews and doing solid business. Um, Burton fanatics who love this creepy aesthetic were thrilled to finally have a true horror film from the director at last. Still one of the better movies from that year. On the 18th of November, 1865, Mark Twain's short story, The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, is published in the New York Saturday Press, where it appeared as Jim Smiley and his Jumping Frog. In it, the narrator tells... A story he heard from a bartender, Simon Wheeler, at the Angels Hotel in Angels Camp, California, about the gambler Jim Smiley. If you haven't read it, it's actually a bit of it's a bit of a good laugh. You you should enjoy it. Um, on the 18th of November, 1970, town in Jonestown, Guyana. <laughs> 1970 town. <laughs> Pardon? You said 1970 town instead of 78. Oh, sorry. On the 18th of November 1978 in Jonestown, Guyana, Jim Jones led his People's Temple to a mass murder-suicide that claimed 918 lives in all, 909 of them in Jonestown itself, including over 270 children. Congressman Leo Ryan is murdered by members of the People's Temple hours earlier. Jonestown resulted in the largest single loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act until September 11, 2001. And is still, as far as I'm aware, one of the most horrific things out there. Still happened. Even more disgusting than um, Waco and some of that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, on the 18th of November, 2015, Kangaroo Dundee Wildlife TV series premieres. Featuring Brolga and Roger, the ripped kangaroo on BBC Two. For those who don't know, Roger, the ripped kangaroo, was an extremely muscle, heavily over-muscled um, kangaroo. They should have called him Bruce. Typical Pom's got the name wrong. Um, I think that's it. Uh, yep. Nothing else I've missed there, there DJ? Do no, you need nothing. to crack me on? No, nothing. Okay. Um, who are we going to give a shout-out to? From TNC. Um, let's give a shout out to musicals to the musicals podcast. They did musicals. help us with musicals did... podcast. Who, who can you tell us their name? Uh, musicals teach me everything. I think it's cool. No, come on. Musicals taught me everything. We're getting there. Almost. Come on. <laughs> come on. Get it. Get it right. Oh, so musicals taught me everything I know. That's it. Yay. 
<laughs> Folks, please give him a round of applause. It, it hurts his brain to come up with an entire sentence like that. I did not. I did not know that the musicals podcast. Pardon? I did not know about the musicals podcast. That's podcast, not podcast. How do you not know about them? They are legends. They are one of the Podfather's special projects. Anyway, um, that's it for another week. So, where can they find us? Twit. Uh, they can find us buckle in uh, Facebook. Uh, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have an email address as well. It's uh, nerds underscore uh, nerds amalgamate at gmail.com. Um, they can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and that's not canon.com where we have an archive of our old episodes. Awesome. And the professor's hiding in the corner. Have you got anything further to add, Professor? No, my microphone just fell off my uh, stand, but that's all I have for this week. <laughs> and on that on that disappointing note we'll say farewell remember to look out for each other and take care and stay hydrated Boo, root. see you guys we'll see you next week Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.